Hey everyone, welcome back to the Matt Report Podcast. I hope you're staying safe, coping with this whole quarantine thing, and I hope COVID-19 isn't impacting your family, friends, relatives, businesses. Uh, my wife is a critical care nurse, and they got their first confirmed case uh, in her hospital. So it's always on our mind, of course, keeping, uh, keeping that stuff away from her uh, at the hospital and, of course, bringing it home. But on, lighter, on a lighter note, I have my friend Sean Tierney, who I had the pleasure of working with at Pagely over the last, uh, well, three years of my stint, five years him uh, being at Pagely in total. And he's starting a new thing called the Charity Makeover, and I find it a very timely uh, effort, especially in today's, today's world with, with businesses shutting down in the physical world and moving to online. There's a lot of opportunity there um, for Sean and his, and his team. And it's one that's near and dear to my heart because I've actually I've actually had an idea of, similar to his in my own local space, uh, and I and I've been talking about that on the Matt Report channel and how we can all help out in times of crisis for nonprofits and small businesses. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about sales automation. He has a, a keen eye for creating uh, pre-sales and sales automations, marketing automations. So we'll chat about some of the, the tools and tactics that he uses around that. It's MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join that mailing list. Don't forget a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. All right, let's dive into the show. Oh boy, I am excited for today's first sponsor, and it's John Locke from LockdownSEO.com. That's Locke with an E, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-W-N-S-E-O.com, LockdownSEO.com. John is an amazing guy, and thanks for sponsoring the show, John. He focuses on helping manufacturing companies with search engine optimization so they can get more requests for quotes. He focuses on the manufacturers that are doing $250,000 to $50 million a year. He's an amazing SEOist. <laughs> can I say that? He does great design. But if you're an agency, if you're a consultant out there, you say, how, how am I going to leverage this man's capabilities? Well, if you're an agency and all of a sudden... Some manufacturing company walked through the door. Some You're a consultant, and all of a sudden, some manufacturing company said, hey, can you build us a website? Well, you, you know that's only half the battle. You have to build the website, and then you have to rank it, and you have to optimize it so that they're actually getting those quotes coming through their email. Reach out to John and partner up with him. Use his SEO services. Use his skill set that's primarily focused in the manufacturing market. Or if maybe you just know somebody who's a manufacturer, just turn to John and say, hey, this guy can do it for you. Not only can he design the sites, he can optimize it and bring you more customers. Now, you say that this is, I, I can't utilize any of these services, Matt. Well, John has an amazing YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John J. Locke with an E. Just search John Locke SEO on YouTube and you'll find his channel. He is a YouTube juggernaut. Tons and tons of videos out there teaching you everything you need to know about SEO, WordPress, ranking, content, marketing. Check it out. John Locke, John J. Locke on YouTube. How about today's second sponsor, searchwp.com. Searchwp.com. Coming out with searchwp 4.0. I don't know about you, but I've been using searchwp for the longest time. It's the first premium plugin I think I've ever used that really 
made a customer go, wow, th- th- there's more to this WordPress thing, right? And I've used Search WP on sites that we've built as intranet sites, as e-commerce sites. And, and let me tell you what it does. It makes search on WordPress a million times better. Not only is it faster, more performant, but it's giving you data, analytics, so that you know what people are actually searching for in a nice, concise fashion. So as you as a consultant or an agency can turn to your your partners and say, hey, look, search on the web is just one component. What happens when they get to the website? What if you're doing tons of content? You're a publisher. What are people searching for these days on, once they hit the website? Let's build a content plan around that. Search WP is gonna help you do that. And 4.0 is gonna launch two major components. It's gonna do custom content support, and then it's gonna enable proper multi-site global search. So if you're somebody who's building out a marketplace, you have these sites that are uh, building out individual pages for, uh, for your customers or your clients, or you're a higher ed and you have all of these sites that are in the network of a multi-site, you can search across that, you can get results across that. Right? Custom content support is going to include posts, pages, media, all registered custom post types. And it also includes users. So if you're building out this big intranet, again, this higher ed thing, big clients, big projects, or even small ones, you can really use Search WP. So check it out at searchwp.com. Yeah, so I served for almost five years at Pagely. Um, yeah, we worked together there, and uh, that was a great, great stint. Um, I, geez, I don't know how to wrap it up in a concise statement. I've had a, like a very rambling, weird career trajectory. I've run a few companies. I've been a programmer in a past life, uh, an emergency medical technician, a 3D animator, uh, graphics for legal trials, like a real estate agent. I've tried a bunch of different careers. Um, the sales stuff kind of worked the best of anything. And uh, currently, after the Pagely uh, exit, I'm now working on a project that I started called Charity Makeover. So that's consuming all my time right now. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into what that is later. Yeah, man. So, uh, f- you know, for folks that don't know, uh, I've been selling all my life. I've been involved sort of like the same uh, uh, roulette wheel of of different things that I've tried in my life. Uh, Car salesman, landscaper, parts delivery, car wash guy, sold computers at Circuit City, sold cell phones at Circuit City, Um, ran my own agency. Here we are at Pagely, do a bunch of stuff with WordPress. But one of the things that I, in all of my years of selling, had never done is really sat down and put together like this concise, um, accurate sort of automated pre-sales process into the sales process. And and what I mean is, you know, if you're like an agency owner out there or you're selling product, <clears throat> you may find yourself, hey, when it's slow, you get one or two leads here, it's not that bad. Once starts lead, leads start to kick up or you have this marketing automation wheel that's happening, you get a ton of leads. And suddenly you find yourself a little unorganized. Things are all over the place. Where did that email go? How did I get them into a CRM? What is a CRM? <laughs> uh, when I went to Pagely, Sean had this or has uh, this amazing uh, pre-sales automation process set up. Everything is organized. There's a process. There's a flow to it. And I'm just curious, Sean, uh, 
sort of how you stumbled upon that? Because I'm sure it just didn't happen overnight. There's a bunch of learnings along the way. Uh, yeah. yeah. How did you get into it? Um, well, the answer is it kind of emerged out of necessity, I guess, like to, to back up. So I had, like I said, a programming background. For eight years, I was a, a cold fusion programmer, which is a very antiquated language at this point. But it taught me a lot of principles about like systems thinking and how to how to think algorithmically about solving problems. So, so there was a lot of that influence involved. And then uh, I just, I read a lot of books, things on solution selling and uh, spin selling and just different methods of systematizing a sales process. And so really I came at it from having the programming background, having the need as only one person at the time when I started. uh, And I was both responsible for all the marketing and all the sales when I started. So it was juggling those two things simultaneously. There just needed to be systems. There was no other way to do it. So, uh, so yeah, so the, the system we, we, came up with is what emerged there. Um, and there's for the people listening, if you want to, I, I did a good talk on this. Uh, if you Google Pagely sales system, it's the first thing that comes up on the Pagely blog. And there's like a nice talk and slides and video and whatnot that goes you know, pretty deep into it. But it's like a seven step process that I used in terms of uh, systematizing that and, and really extracting what were the needs and then coming up with the approach at each step of the way. Uh, walk me down how you've how you maintained it or how you thought about maintaining it because you are um a well-read individual you're constantly constantly critically thinking right and you're always sort of taking stock about uh whatever it is in front of you right from a fifty thousand foot view you're kind of looking at the automation and looking at areas that might be working and might not be working is that just something that's just happening in Sean's world and, and you don't even realize you're doing it? Or do you have like this objective plan when you look at these things to say, you know, here's how I'm going to improve these things, you know, over time? Yeah, I think at a high level, the way I think of things, again, with systems thinking, uh, it, it, you operate in terms of what are called stocks and flows. And so I literally, the mental image is like an image of a pool, like a big pool of water at the top and it's trickling down and it, you know, if that's where the leads or even pre-leads, it's the visitors and the awareness and people out in the ether. If it starts there and it gradually gets more and more along this continuum of engagement to the point where they then become customers and then fans and super fans and upsells and all that. So it's like the, kind of this downhill flow where you're losing people the entire way. And so the, the challenge at each step of the game is how do you get more of that water to the next stage? Um, and so yeah, I think if you start there and you think of it from that perspective, then at each step of the way, you're just solving problems one at a time. You know, we, we've got enough leads now, but we're losing them on the, let's say, getting them onto the phone. Okay. So what can we do there? Uh, you know, Matt, you were a perfect uh, uh, participant there with the bottled beard thing. You know, that was a great example of like, how do we scale Matt? We know Matt was incredible on sales calls if we could just get them on the call. And so, you know, I would just look at what challenge we were presented with and try to think, okay, well, we, we have this asset and we know we have this challenge. And so what could we do? What could scale Matt? And, you know, how do, how do we build rapport with Matt without actually occupying Matt's time and having him on calls? And so the bottled beard was the thing that emerged from that, but just really thinking about what's the challenge and what's the, what resources do we have and what can we do? Yeah. And, and bottled beard is a, uh, internal code name. <laughs> project name uh, for that effort. And essentially what that was, was, was me spending time, uh, quite a lot of time recording myself as if I were doing some kind of virtual sales 
consultation and we had a sort of choose your own adventure along the way where you know you'd click a button and i'd start talking about whatever topic it was that you, you know that you clicked on and and that was just one way to to come up with um it's a creative way to come up with an alternative or options right because not every customer is going to want to get on the phone call with you certainly uh or even do email with you i mean i know i i, I try to look at everything from being in my own shoes and sometimes it's like oh man just give me the price <laughs> <laughs> give me the price or, or just give me the information I'm looking for. And, and that was a perfect, uh, you know, way to execute that. No email, n- uh, no phone call, just click a couple things that you're interested in. You can hear it from me and then we can work towards, you know, an arrangement, uh, yeah. which was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it had a lot of advantages that being one of them, you know, giving people, uh, like the Pagely way, one of the kind of tenets was options, not mandates. So we'd, we'd never dictate that it had to be a certain way. We'd give you options and you kind of get to determine how you wanted to interface with us. So this was just exposing yet another way that people could asynchronously feel like they were having a sales call with Matt and get a lot of that information. And, you know, it just, it, it allows that rapport building and we can scale that, you know, you could have a thousand people in the middle of the night hitting that page. And then it's like a thousand people having a thousand different conversations with Matt all going different directions. And in the background, we're logging all that data. Uh, we use the exact same tagging taxonomy that we did on the on the in-person calls. And so we're able to leverage all of what we call Leviathan behind the scenes for responding to them. So it was, it was a pretty elegant, um, it was a pretty el- elegant way to approach that challenge, I think. So there might be people listening that's like, okay, I want to I dip my toe into this stuff. And, um, you know, we've, at Pagely anyway, we use a bunch of expensive things to do this, but is there a, an affordable way if somebody's just a startup and they just want to kick off some automation, Gravity Forms or nearly any notable WordPress form is, is, is your base, right? It's like people are inputting data there and then from there it gets spread out. Do you have like a favorite, you know, free or affordable CRM people can then pipe all this stuff to to fire off automation? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Active Campaign, as you know. Uh, that's arguably has a little bit more of a learning curve to it. Uh, I would say, you know, MailChimp, I think, is free for the first 2,000 contacts. And they've at, since added automation capabilities to that. So if I were doing it from scratch and I didn't have a budget, I would say, you know, any kind of any kind of contact form, you know, Gravity Forms is nice. That, that does have a cost associated with it. But something like a type form even or you know, even just any of the, the freebie ones that are out there, get that as your, as your data collection and then pipe that in using something like Zapier or if there's a connector, send it into MailChimp and then you can do your follow-up there. And at least you have something in place then. Uh, the idea, yeah. yeah, the idea being that like when you, uh, it, it will follow up on your behalf. And so if things fall through the cracks, you know, two weeks go by and you haven't heard back from someone, they're getting some relevant piece of communication from you to so you stay on their radar. There's a guy, Tim Ferriss, that some folks might be familiar with. You know, you see him the four-hour work week. You see him on a hammock somewhere. But gosh darn it, the world should know about Sean Tierney. <laughs> because, <laughs> because if there were a man that were to ever write the two-hour work week through automation and through scale and doing all these crazy things, I mean, I think that you are, um, you know, the poster child for that because Man, some some folks have to spend some time on Sean's Instagram account. It is uh, it is quite fascinating. How did you get into this sort of nomad lifestyle? Because uh, born and raised in Texas, correct? 
uh, Phoenix went to school in Texas. Oh yeah, went, went to school in to Texas, Phoenix. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So in terms of how I got into it, I wasn't ever intending to do it. Actually, I, you know, I had worked for Pagely remotely. Pagely is an all virtual distributed company. So I worked the first year remote out of my apartment, and I had been actually plotting at that point to take a road trip around the U.S. I was. I was like, well, I'm, I'm like, I'm working remotely, so I might as well make use of this and go visit a bunch of people I haven't seen in a while. And so, the more I looked into that, the more I realized that that would just not be feasible. Like, if I was driving around and having to plot the next location and contact the host and, you know, arrange all that, it, I just wouldn't get any work done. So I kind of gave up on that vision. Uh, and around that time, a buddy of mine, a really good friend who happened to be a neighbor at that point, came over to my house, and he had been accepted this thing called Remote Year. Um, and yeah, it was basically like just a dream come true. It was that it was a travel program that handled all those logistics, but it also did it, uh, building a community and it took you all around the world, not just the U S but it was like an international travel program. So once I learned about that, I was just like, I got to do this. This sounds amazing. And that was kind of my gateway drug into the nomadic lifestyle. And then it literally, quite literally is a drug, right? I mean, once you get, a, <laughs> once you get addicted to this, to this lifestyle, I mean, you're just literally hopping, you know, from, from place to place on a plane, you know, catching Wi-Fi here and there to stay connected, but, but also enjoying this stuff. It's not, it's not just, let's get to the next co-working place. I mean, there's a bunch of things that you're doing that's out there, right? Ex excursions, yeah. sports, stuff like that. Um, and these programs, they structure all that stuff for you. Yeah, there's a there's a handful of these programs. Unfortunately, right now with the virus thing, they're all kind of taking the hit. But um, but they yeah they they flourished for a while and they're great because they organize a community. You know, we had 75 people in our group that were traveling the world as this tribe, and we got to do things that you you know you would not have been able to do because they had a team on the ground in each city that would like line up these really unique local experiences. And, you know, we had the buying power of 75 people. So it was just really, it was a unique experience that is probably not possible to recreate. Uh, and I don't know what to compare it to. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was amazing. And you're 45 episodes deep on your own nomad podcast, which you can find uh, on Apple or any platform really, but of course, iTunes. Um, yep. Why the, why the, why the podcast? What, what initiated that sort of uh, creative outlet? Yeah, I so when I finished Remote Year, I had such a like profound experience with it. I kept traveling and I hung out with a lot of people. I would follow the different groups and I'd meet like I lived in Mexico City for four months where most of the salespeople for Remote Year were working. And so I just ended up sitting alongside of them and hearing a lot of the uh, like objections and concerns from their perspective people. And hearing that, I just thought like, wow, this was such a unique experience. Like it would be a shame if all these people voicing these kind of silly concerns, like if that robbed them of that experience. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to make like a course that leads everyone through it and answers all those and like helps people prepare and gets them ready to do this. And so I kind of foolishly went and built that course and it took way longer than I wanted to <laughs> for it all that, you know, I made the, the perennial mistake that all entrepreneurs make is like you go and you build this product and you don't even think about distribution. So, uh, so I made that first and then it took way too long. And then I realized, Oh crap, like I need a way of getting people into the course. And the podcast just became like this logical kind of next step of a thing to build. And I enjoy podcasts. I enjoy listening to them and I enjoy recording them. Uh, and so, yeah, so I just made the podcast. And were you, did, at the end of the day, I mean, 
uh, I think I probably know the answer, but like to hear it from you is what are the major benefits that that podcast you know had? It, it, did it actually drive sales? Did you measure that kind of thing? Did it drive sales to the course? Did you measure that kind of thing? What was your ultimate outcome for that? Um, it's been frankly like super underwhelming. I would say like the, the most productive thing I ever had was a relationship with remote year where they were giving all of their prospects my course for a while. Uh, there was a change of staff and someone came in and like kiboshed that. And so then it basically the faucet of students dried up when that happened and the podcast never really supplemented and made up for that deficiency. Uh, so if I'm being honest, it was a failure from the sense of generating like a reliable stream of students, but the, the way that I, I mean, I still do it obviously. So I value it. And the, the way that I frame it is it's just basically like me getting to do like free consulting with anyone I want. Like I can pretty much invite anyone at this point to the podcast. Rarely do they turn it down. And now I get these really smart people on there and I can pick their brains for an hour and it just has like this nice byproduct where we're, I can ask whatever I want, but then we're also capturing that conversation and then syndicating it to the rest of the world. And so now I also get some rapport from that. So it's just like this super win all around for very little cost. So that's why I do it. There's two things for certain in this new quarantine culture that we're living in. And that is in nine months, there's going to be a lot more babies and there's yep. going to be a lot more podcasts. Because yep. I mean, people are finally, you know, turning to this. Hey, hey, Matt, I, I heard you, you know, help people get podcasts. Oh, now you want me? Well, my friend, you know, <laughs> welcome to the sales den. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about podcasting, but um, yeah, it, it's good to hear that that you're still doing it, and and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the same sort of feeling that I have. I mean, when I was running my agency, I used it as a sales tool, right? I used it as a sales tool, and people said to me, you know, why should we hire? you know, your studio to do our WordPress work when we can go hire some big studio that has all these big brands in it and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you can search on iTunes. I have the number one podcast for WordPress and everything I talk about is out there, right? So if you don't like what I'm saying <laughs> or how I talk, uh, maybe we shouldn't do business, but here's all everything I know and do in the WordPress community. And I used it as leverage, right? To close sales. Um, yeah. It's the best you know, business card at this point. I think it's just an yeah. incredible way to get yourself out there and have immediate credibility and rapport with people. Yeah. Let's kick it into the third leg of this discussion. And that is of your new startup, Charity Makeover. You can find it at charitymakeover.org. Near and dear to my heart, um, one of the things I've been doing, I mean, I've always given back to my local community, spe specifically the nonprofits and, and small business community in my area. Now more than ever, right? I've been spending all of my free time on Zoom calls just trying to help people out, right? Just trying to get them going. There's a ton of restaurants that had to close their doors. They never even had a website, certainly didn't have a gift card to sell online. Uh, so I've been sort of helping folks that, you know, that I've known in, for years or people that are introducing me, uh, them to me, but give me the, the pitch. What is the charity makeover and how can I help in times like these? Yeah. So charity makeover, uh, was born out of, uh, an experience that I had with something called startup weekend. Uh, so it, this was kind of the inspiration for it. This was a, a similar event where people came together, all different kinds of people from different disciplines and they built projects in a week in the course of a weekend from scratch and you, you basically create an entire product with strangers and super magical experience uh just in every respect learning how to 
just entrepreneurship and all kinds of technologies and tools and personalities and meeting people. And it was just amazing. The flaw with that though, was that in these weekends we would create stuff and I did nine of these things. I went to nine startup weekends. I threw three of them as a facilitator. Uh, So I'm a big fan of them. But the flaw is that we would create stuff that would then get thrown away at the end of the weekend. Like people would have this crazy, awesome exercise and experience, and then they would go their separate ways and the product would just kind of languish and die. And so I started looking at that thinking, well, it's not the product that is the real value here. It's the experience. And it's a shame to just be like having all these collective cycles just get thrown away. Like, wouldn't it be cool if instead we paired up with local charities and we just worked supporting them, building stuff that's going to help them out. And then when we go away at the end of the weekend, we just give them the stuff that we built and they benefit from it and they love it. So, so that was kind of the idea. Um, we, I started it in 2013, I kind of tried a few of them as an experiment and then backburnered it for a while. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of always in the back of my mind. Uh, I did this thing called the nomad cruise last year where I pitched it on their piranha tank, which is like their version of shark tank. And, uh, yeah, just, it was immediate resonance. People loved it. We organized one in Lisbon. It worked really well. Did another one in Barcelona and it was just kind of, it, it became apparent to me that this is where my heart was at. And, um, you know, so at some point I, I realized like time to exit Pagely and focus on this full time. And so that's where we are today. So the, give me one example. If you go to help a charity, what exactly will you be building somebody? Is it a, is it a website? Is it something more complex? Yeah, it's different. Uh, website is like an obvious win if they don't have one. So that's a, a relatively easy thing to pull off. We've also done some more sophisticated stuff. You know, we built crowdfunding platforms. Uh, right now, the one in Barcelona, we're building a, a mobile, responsive mobile app for uh, a group of people that feed the homeless there. They have 5,000 volunteers. It's called Esperanza. And, and weekly for six years, these two women have run this event using a Google spreadsheet where they're organizing it throughout the week, you know, reaching out to people via Facebook and filling in this Google sheet and getting, you know, eight or 10 volunteers who then walk around with like these hand trucks and luggage carts and, you know, just basically fan out and feed the homeless in Barcelona. And they've never missed a run in the six years they've done this. And so when we discovered that and we saw how just cumbersome and like just kludgy it was the method that they were using to organize these people, we said, we can definitely give you a better way to do this. And that will free you up of like five hours of admin overhead each week. And potentially you can open up more routes. If this works well, then, you know, you can even serve more people. So, um, so yeah, we've, we've built all kinds of stuff uh, for people. You can check it out on the website. We you know always post what we're doing and, uh, we now have an app of our own that uh, is enabling other people to start to throw these events. We're moving to an all virtual model, which makes a lot more sense now with the, uh, obviously the COVID stuff is, you know, physical events are kind of a thing of the past for the foreseeable future. So, you know, I've got a bunch of questions. So the, uh, one of the particular things that I always found, you know, interesting and, and I get it. I mean, I've been doing, uh, involved in my in the local business scene for quite some time, but there's a lot of people that I, that I know that I've approached to say, "Hey, that Google spreadsheets way, I get a way better way for you. I get something way more efficient, way more connected." And they're like, mm, "Nah, <laughs> nah, yeah. I don't, I don't need it." Uh, and, and they're a little apprehensive because maybe the technology scares them. Uh, and I know you sort of maybe early on on this, but have you had pushback from people like, "No, I, I got a great way to solve this," and, and how have you cracked that ice? 
Yeah, yeah. So this is a lesson learned from having done a couple of these now is that we need to find the, the to, we need to do a really good job of screening the charities up front to make sure that the the founders are coachable and are they're open to better ways of doing things because for sure there's some inertia and people get stuck in their ways and they're not as open uh, and it, it's a shame if we get all the right people in the room and we build something incredible and then we learn that they're just not open to changing their ways. So. Uh, but that being said, you know, the Esperanza app is a good example where initially we targeted leaving the Google spreadsheet as the interface for them. So we were just building a front end basically that we would give, you know, all their volunteers, their 5,000 people, instead of, you know, having Julia and Julie out there on Facebook recruiting people that way, you just give this app to all their volunteers and it would cascade through and it would basically recruit until all the slots were filled. But it would it would write that data to the Google spreadsheet so their process wouldn't change. Um, so we're capable of doing that. Fortunately with them, uh, we were able to bring them around to see that, oh, well, no, we'll just build you a mobile interface as well and it'll be way easier. So, uh, but yeah, but the answer is uh, it, it's it's pointless if we build stuff that then doesn't get embraced by the charity. So we've got to sort that out first and target you know some use case that they're going to be good with. Yeah, I, I like that term that you put on there. Is uh, find find a founder or find the the heads of this charity that are coachable, right? And that's a great way to look at it. Are you coachable? <laughs> I mean, you could have a whole pre sales process or uh, outreach process based on that. Like people who are willing to learn, yes, and then then they enter in, you know, to uh, whatever solution. It, it, it could be something like this, or it could be just your typical agency business model, right? Because so many people that you reach out to from just a commercial WordPress agency standpoint, um, these people are also closed to, even though they, they're actually wanting to hire you, they're not coachable. So that's a great way to look at it. What's the business yeah. model? How are you going to make money with this thing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, so there's two that we're evaluating right now. Uh, prior to the COVID thing, our main intent was to actually package this experience that we've become really good at delivering and turn it into a team building exercise. So we will never charge volunteers. We'll never charge the charities. We do this pro bono and we hold these hackathon events that are open to the public and people can sign up and do it. So that's nothing will change there. Uh, but we've gotten really good at throwing these things. And so the thinking was that we could go to a Microsoft or a Google and say, hey, guys, you know, we know that you have challenges in your company with, uh, let's say, interdepartment communications and employee satisfaction and people feeling like maybe devoid of meaning or purpose in, in their daily roles. And we can, by delivering this experience in this team building exercise, we can address all those as well as help you satisfy things like your corporate social responsibility uh, objectives. So that was the thinking there. Uh, we've since pulled back on that a bit because I think all companies right now are turned inwardly. They're not thinking about this stuff. They're thinking about survival. So this is not the right time to bring that model to bear. So we're kind of backburning that model for now. Uh, but there are other things. So we're testing what I call the benefactor model, uh, which is basically uh, put, assigning a cost to the ticket, but just not passing that cost through to the volunteer, instead making it so a company can sponsor that volunteer to do this work the company will get the pr win uh, of the impact of whatever that work is so we'll make a little widget that allows them to you know rock that thing on their blog and now the microsofts and the googles can proudly represent that they sponsored 10 volunteers in charity makeover and this was the impact so um, so anyway so but to answer your question it's pre-revenue we we have done this focus more on creating the meaning right now than chasing the dollars but we will soon be zeroing in on the revenue model 
Sean, you might not know this, but I won a local pitch contest based off of a similar idea of this model. And uh, it was very much, but not from such a 50,000 foot view, a holistic approach as you is more of like a one-on-one thing where I would, uh, it was called local coders, right? And it was a, a place where you could come as an individual who wanted to learn how to, let's say, put a WordPress website together, but then I would pair them up with a local nonprofit or charity and the charity would get a website from this person who wants to learn how to build websites. And these two parties sort of uh, both you know, got the benefit of it. And I too, like you, sort of wrapped the idea around a couple different points uh, uh, of making revenue. One is corporate sponsorship, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole thing just becomes a story. Uh, every, the whole thing becomes like a podcast or a video series and it's sponsored by XYZ. And you just see this these two uh, uh, humans coming together and, and they're both benefiting. Uh, and second, just maybe turning it to, and this was just the other idea that I had, was just turning it to um, uh, an offer, a commercial offering, right? They're, they're, they're just getting it at a lesser price because it's lesser quote unquote experienced people putting this stuff together. There's a payment transaction and, the, and then local coders or charity makeover, you know, keeps uh, a percentage of that and the people get paid. Other par- party gets a website. Uh, and then the third was just some kind of, which you've probably already explored because there's a whole bunch of other places that kind of have this, uh, help for free, but then pay for support after kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas they just, they eventually just pay you for support ongoing. Um, I think it's a fantastic uh, uh, idea. Like everything, there's tons of ideas. And it's all about execution and yep. you're the man to execute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the way that I see it. Yeah, no, there, I think a, a lot of what I've learned just over the, the course of these years and especially with Pagely and all the experiments I got to do there, uh, I think is going to be really useful in terms of just like systematizing all of this. And we're just day by day, like knocking out again, chase the meaning and just figure out what are the tools and systems we need to do this better and to actually deliver wins for the charities. And if we focus on impact for them first, then all this tooling is kind of filling itself in out of necessity. And then I think the end result, I mean, there's going to be six ways to Sunday on how we monetize this. Uh, I'm not really even worried about that long-term. So, so yeah, so that's where we're at. Is WordPress a, a common uh, tool, a common thread amongst all the tools that you're using, or is it have been so varied that people are just building, I don't know, native web apps or native mobile apps? Like, is is WordPress that prominent, or is has it been? Do you foresee it to be? It is. Yeah, we have uh, a Wix site on there. Uh, most of them are WordPress, and actually, Pagely is graciously still hosting uh, those sites for free, so that's nice. Um, but yeah, no, WordPress is definitely a good website front end. It's, it's tough to beat in terms of its flexibility and it cost, you know? So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll work with whatever they want to use. We did port one from Wix to WordPress just to save them some, some cost and give them more control over it. Uh, but short answer is we, we, we work with whatever we need to work with to get the result. His name is Sean Tierney. He's taught me a lot over the last, uh, well, continue to be three years at this point. Uh, definitely follow him on all of the social channels. But Sean, where can folks find you to say thanks? Yeah, so I'm scrolling on dubs on pretty much all forms of social media. It's uh, scrolling with no G. So S-C-R-O-L-L-I-N-O-N-D-U-B-S. Uh, don't ask the story behind that. But yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's my handle pretty much everywhere. <laughs> 
That's another one. Something tells me he used to put big wheels on small cars. I don't know. <laughs> um, you can f- find uh, the charity makeover at charitymakeover.org uh, and nomadpodcast.com if you're interested to in following his podcast. Are you going to have a podcast for Charity Makeover or are you going to roll it all into one? <clears throat> we kind of, yeah, I actually just linked it into one. It's kind of blending into one thing at this point. So uh, I don't know if we'll rebrand at some point, but yeah, it's, it's for now, it's still Nomad Podcast. It's mattreport.com, mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected. Don't forget to check out the business5000.com if you're interested about what's going on over there. You've seen and heard it plenty of times on the newsletter. Check us out, business5000.com. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode.